Welcome to the Dallas Space Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Louder. Innovation comes in so many forms in so many different ways. We believe this entire Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is covered with people innovating. We designed this podcast to highlight the innovative things those business leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, problem solvers, the real innovators are doing day in, day out. As always, this show is brought to you by my company, Louderco. We find companies' profits through artificial intelligence and better operations. Like when we helped a massive Fortune 500 company build out their AI strategy to create breakthrough new food and beverage categories. Or when we redesigned the operations of a $100 million services company to add $10 million in net profit to their bottom line. To learn more about us, head to our website, louderco.com. Be sure to download free guides and presentations like our Intro to Artificial Intelligence presentation, or see if your company's even ready for AI through our AI readiness assessment tool. We're about to get the show started. If you like what you hear, it would mean a lot to us if you subscribed and left us a review. And now, enjoy our guests and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Dallas Space Innovator Show. I'm your host, Andrew Louder. Got a very exciting uh, guest to be on our show here today. I'm very grateful that she's been able to make the time uh, to join me here. Her name is Courtney Rogers. Courtney is the executive director at a nonprofit called the Educator Collective. I've had uh, the honor of getting to know the organization well, so I can't wait to talk more about it. But the Educator Collective empowers educators by cultivating community, leadership, and professional practice. They believe that when educators come together, are respected as professionals, and are provided with space to grow, schools flourish and students succeed. Courtney has spent her career in academia with Dallas ISD and the nonprofit sector with a math education nonprofit and has also served as a youth delegate at the United Nations. Uh, she's also a recipient of the DCEO Innovation Education Award, which really is a big deal. So, Courtney, thank you for joining the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. So, I love to get started. I, I usually turn it over to our guests and say, hey, talk to us. Tell us about yourself. Give us a good one to two minute bio. So, I'll turn it over to you to, to do that. Sure. Well, you had a great intro. Um, but yeah, background-wise, I've uh, been in this role as executive director of the Educator Collective for about three years, but I've spent my entire career in education. Um, so and that really started even before um, college. So, you know, part-time jobs and, and volunteering were in the education sector. So that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. Um, and I knew uh, from early on that I wanted a career that would, you know, somehow make a positive difference, you know, on people in the, in the community and education just ended up kind of being the, the path that made the most sense to me. And so I started out in the classroom and then, you know, moved to the nonprofit world and eventually landed in uh, Dallas ISD's Office of Innovation, which is where I kind of, I think, took root as far as, as innovative practices. Um, learned yeah. a lot of great tangible strategies there that, that have served me really well and had a, a wonderful experience. I, re I really loved that job. Um, but I'd been wanting for a while to, to get closer to supporting teachers. You know, at that point I'd been um, working for, you know, about a decade and felt like I was moving further and further away from teachers, which, you know, I'm a, I'm a data person and 
anyone who yeah. knows education space knows that like teachers are, are what matters most um, in schools when it comes to student success. And so I was really excited um, to come across the opportunity with the Educator Collective. Um, it, at the time, very much was a, was a startup. It had been around for two years. Um, mm -hmm. And the founder was someone who actually worked in uh, real estate finance. And just this was his, his passion project. I still don't know how he did it. He did an amazing job on founding and launching this organization. Yeah. And after two years, got it to a point where um, they were ready to hire you know, a staff member and a first, you know, full-time ED. And um, uh, someone I'd worked with before recommended me for the role. Thankfully, I'll, I'll owe them forever. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. you know, I got to get to know the organization and um, was really impressed from the start. One of my core principles is to never reinvent the wheel. Um, and it happens far too often in the nonprofit space where we're all competing for the same, you know, kind of small pool of funding, but it feels like the same nonprofits pop up every day. Um, so I never wanted to do something that, you know, was already out there. Um, but I was really impressed that PEC, as we call it, the Educator Collective, was actually filling a gap in the space and doing something, serving teachers in a way that, that no one else was. Um, and so, you know, decided to to take the leap and, and take on the challenge of my first, you know, executive leadership role and really haven't looked back since. Thankfully, seen seen a lot of success, you know, with the team that I have here. Um, and just as far as personal life goes, um, have a wonderful husband, an amazing little girl, a two-year-old daughter. Um, and it, it's it's interesting, you know, kind of looking back and I actually got pregnant a couple of months after taking on the TEC leadership role, which I don't necessarily recommend <laughs> when you're <laughs> trying to take on your first big leadership easy. role. Um, and then right after that, the pandemic hit. Um, and so I got to learn how to become a parent for the first time and an executive leader for the first time, all amid the backdrop of this global pandemic. So, you know, if I wasn't already innovative go going into that, I, I certainly was forced to be <laughs> to get through it. No question about that. Well, Courtney, um, I always love to hit on how I've, our, you know, we've met or how I've met our guest, and um, I know I believe our paths cross through social venture partners, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, I, I often talk about social venture partners on the show, but uh, it's a nonprofit that helps other nonprofits do good better. Essentially, that's our motto, and. Um, Nonprofits come to social venture partners seeking some level of advisory help on ways to just, you know, increase their capacity and capability of doing good. And and that's how we met. I was fortunate enough to be on a project to work with you and I was blown away by all that you've been able to accomplish and your your uh, passion for the organization and just your your drive to get things done. So it's uh it was, it was really cool to be able to work with you in that capacity. Well, it was a great experience for, for us too. Um, you know, I went into that as, you know, wanting to be an advisee and, and getting that consulting help because we were ready to, to start scaling our work. And I think that, you know, the you really took the lead on, on that project and gave us that framework for building our strategic plan, which we're implementing today and is going really well. So I'm awesome. really grateful for that experience too. Yeah, and look, honestly, um, that team, our, the Social Venture Partners team was strong, so I was just riding the coattails of the others. <laughs> so had a the kind we words. had a tremendous group, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Really fortunate. Okay, so you mentioned your love of education. When did you first realize that was in you? Um, I think probably through volunteering in my part-time roles 
during college. Um, I worked in an after-school program with an organization called Communities in Schools. Uh, it's a nas national after-school program, and they focus largely in you know low-income communities and under-resourced schools. And um, for me, I think that personal experience of seeing the kind of impact that um, a strong education can have on a student, particularly a child who doesn't have you know a lot of resources in, in their community or in their home, um, the kind of gap that a strong education can fill can just have a tremendous impact in shaping the trajectory of their life. And so I got to see that firsthand. Um, and I just always knew that I wanted, you know, our, our careers take up a huge portion of our lives, right? And so for me personally, I wanted to spend that time on something that would be improving other people's lives and improving my community. And so um, it just it just made sense. Awesome. And the Educators Collective, um, what drew you to the organization? You mentioned the founder and the amazing mission, but um, what was that yearning that kind of pulled you in? It was really to get to get closer to teachers, you know, like like I was sharing. There's, you know, j just like in my life, I wanted my career to matter and to make the most of it. You know, we all only have 24 hours in a day. So within that career and within working in education, you know, if, I believe if there's one lever you can pull to really make the greatest impact, it's supporting, you know, and, and helping uplift quality teachers. So the chance to be able to lead an organization with the sole focus of doing that and doing that in a way that no one else is doing um, was really appealing to me. Yeah. And, and we essentially just, you know, at the heart of it, we just get to love on teachers all the time. And so it's, it's really a privilege cool. to be able to, yeah. to be in this role. Well, explain to the listeners who just aren't familiar with the Educator Collective. I know I hit on it a little bit up, up front in the intro, but you know, ex explain it to our listeners so they can really get a good feel for, you know, the amazing things you want. Yeah, so the Educator Collective, we're essentially a professional community for um, Dallas-Fort Worth teachers and, and school leaders. And it was founded, as I said, by someone in, in the real estate finance world, so not in education world. And so he had a really different lens and where he wanted to provide educators with the same kind of professional and personal supports that professionals in better resource sectors received. But because ed education tends to, specifically public education in urban areas tends to be relatively under-resourced, teachers don't typically get those same kind of basic benefits and experiences. And so yeah. he created the Educator Collective to fill that gap. So it's all evidence-based specifically around what increases teachers' retention in the profession. Um, so we focus on community building, so helping them build a peer support network, which I think any of us, you know, in our careers can say is critical to our success in solving day-to-day -day yeah. challenges and moving on. And teachers don't often get those experiences and those opportunities. Helping with well-being, um, stress is the number and burnout are the number one drivers um, that lead teachers to leave the profession. And so we equip them with strategies that actually work to help them manage and mitigate their stress. And then mm -hmm. also allow them opportunities to pursue leadership and development that's actually of interest to them, right? Giving them some, some of their autonomy um, back in their careers that's often lacking. That's awesome. And I hopefully you know these off the top of your head. If not, I apologize for putting you on the spot. But yeah, I've seen you share data on the impact that you all make in terms of um, reducing that teacher attrition that's going on these days. So, uh, can you share some of that data of your success? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So coming into the organization, you know, it was very early on. 
wasn't any data. And so it was kind of a proof of concept and, and a bit mm -hmm. of a risk because I am a data person. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, one of the first things, things that I did was, you know, work with some partners to build a robust evaluation system. And, you know, with our bottom line being measuring that result of increasing teacher retention. And so we've done that for three years now. And over the last three years, we've seen that educators supported by TEC um, have a retention rate that's 13 percentage points higher on average than wow. the region as a whole. Um, and that was even at the height of at the height of the pandemic. Um, the uh, Dallas County, for instance, lost about a third of its teacher workforce. Um, teachers were just leaving the profession in droves. So the retention rate that year was around seventy one percent in the area. The retention rate of educators within TEC was ninety four percent. And so we're Amazing. seeing that that result again and again. And and there we ask them, you know, is it because of what we're doing? Is that helping to keep you in the profession? And overwhelmingly, they're saying yes. So that's always wow. that's what keeps me going. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's so awesome. I mean, that's huge. Thirteen percent. Um, what what are some examples of the programs you are doing? I think you may have hit on some already, but tell us a bit. Like, if I'm a teacher and I'm just like disillusioned with things going on, and you know, somebody's like, "Hey, join EEC. Here's why." Like, what's that experience going to be like for me, teacher? I think from the teacher's perspective, the the number one thing that they see and they experience is that peer support network. Um, because yeah. it's, it's sort of hard, I think, for, for folks in other sectors to grasp that teachers don't actually have those opportunities. Yeah. Um, but they don't. Most of their time is spent with their students and their time with their colleagues is very structured and limited. And they hardly ever get to um, you know, network or build relationships with folks in other districts or even other schools sometimes. And so being able to come together and meet other educators from across the region um, it's just a tremendous, you know, boon to them and being able to build those relationships and those friendships, which can get them through um, the tremendous challenges of this profession and being able to be with other people who get it. Um, I think that's the number one thing that we hear. And then also what, what makes us unique, and again, this is all from what I, I hear over and over again from the educators we yeah. serve, is that they tell us we are the only organization, the only group that doesn't ask anything of them. We just exist mm. to pour into them. And that's a huge difference that they, they're not seeing anywhere else. No, that's uh, yeah, that's incredible feedback you're getting from them. And you know, given the COVID situation, how, how did you guys end up adapting to all that? <laughs> I mean, aside from having the baby and <laughs> the craziness in your life, um, which I can't even imagine what that would be like. Um, but yeah, I'm curious, how, how did things change for you guys? Um, yeah, that was a roller coaster. You know, I came in thinking that my first year as, as an ED would look one way, you know, just growing what we were doing and, and making it better. And we ended up having to completely reinvent essentially what we were doing. Man, um, man. I, I think, you know, everyone moved to virtual, right. And, and so that's common and, um, you know, that's kind of commonplace now. So we certainly did some of that. But I think something that was unique that we did was we went a step further and we said people still need, you know, some of these, like they need to get out of their house, right? They need to get out from, yeah. from behind their computer. Um, and so we planned socially distance events. Um, you know, we did like one of them that's, you know, just an easy example was we did a drive-in movie um as one of our socials and, and everyone got to come together um or you know activities in the park for for some of our well-being work um so we really worked hard to get creative and make sure that it, we weren't just providing programming on a computer screen but really still um interacting with folks in a safe way cool yeah i, I love what you said earlier about the your i think you says like a principle of yours not you know never reinvent the wheel 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's so applicable across so many places, but I do think in the nonprofit world, certainly, I think many others should you know hear that and take action because there are, I do think there are so many very similar nonprofit organizations or those that really overlap, but you guys are very unique in that sense. Um, what what can you tell folks from the outside in terms of like the nonprofit world? Like why, why do you think that is that there might be so many um, organizations that are so similar to each other? I would say that it's probably the same as in any small business environment. Um, so operating a nonprofit and starting yeah, one sure. really, I don't think is that different from starting a small business, um, you know, in a, in a for-profit world. And what I see is often it's just that they don't know that something else Mm -hmm. is already out there. You know, someone has an idea and it's often a great idea, um, but they don't realize that it's already being done or they think, well, I could do this better um, without maybe realizing that, you know, maybe collaborating with the existing organizations is is a better approach, Um, particularly just given, you know, instead of, you know, investors for capital and nonprofits rely on donors and it's a very limited pool. And so it's important that we collaborate as much as possible. Got it. Yeah, that's a great answer. I, it, I mean, it's obvious, right? There are so many small businesses that do a lot of the same things, right? So yeah, I can yeah. I see what you mean there. Um, in the sense of being an, an ED for a nonprofit, right? What What is the typical kind of day-to-day like for you? Um, I know with nonprofits, there's, there's um, either heavy reliance or heavy governance from a board. Um, what is that relationship usually like, or what is it for you? And how does it, um, I guess I have like eight questions in one here for you, I think, but <laughs> essentially like explain kind of that relationship between ED and its board. And then yeah. I'll, I'll latch on some more questions on top. <laughs> sure. So yeah, so nonprofits are governed by a board of directors, um, but unlike a board for um, a corporation, um, mm-hmm. our board members are volunteers, and so they're not getting any kind of payment or ROI or investment return. Um, they're simply volunteering their time to help us achieve our impact. Um, so that's the ROI um, that we all get from yeah. this. And so they um, essentially, the at the very basic level, the role of a nonprofit board is to hire and fire the ED um, and make sure that, <laughs> hopefully not fire, but you know, what, what is it? Yeah. Um, and just make sure that the organization is running appropriate, you know, legally compliant way and, and achieving its mission. Um, but, you know, good boards do a lot more than that. And, and ours, ours does a lot more than that. I'm very fortunate to have an tre- absolutely tremendous board of directors and my favorite people who are incredibly supportive um, of me personally and professionally and really partners um, in this work every day. Um, and, you know, another big thing they do just on a more tangible um, basis is help with fundraising. So yeah. if there's any, you know, other nonprofits or, or nonprofit board members listening, um, that is definitely one of the most, one of the most important roles. Of and We're fortunate it, to have those team members. Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned fundraising, certainly something I wanted to ask you about. What, what do you find more challenging in your world? Is it the fundraising side? Is it the program side? Or is it always just like an even tug of war? <laughs> um, I would say at this point, because I had the fortune of, you know, our, our founder, Robert Taylor, had our 
built the basic program model when I came in. Mm -hmm. um, so we've certainly grown and adapted it, but the framework was there and it was a very strong one. So I would say the challenge is, is certainly fundraising. Um, and, you know, as, as we grow, thankfully, we have strong results. And, and that is what has helped get us a lot of the funding we've had. But that's always a challenge, um, right, is, is getting people yeah. on board in that way. So but it, it's a it's a rewarding activity, though. It, it truly is one of I mean, fundraising is, is difficult and it can be stressful. But really, one of my favorite um, parts of the job is the fact that I get to interact with and build relationships with people who are willing to set aside often very large amounts of funding, not yeah. to get a financial ROI, but to make an impact in their community. So these are just really just part of gold people who I get to work with and uh, be supported by every day. So that's a privilege too. That's awesome. So if, if I were a listener that wanted to get more involved from like the volunteer standpoint, or maybe has an interest in getting to know the group, the organization better to maybe have a, a board role, you know, what's kind of that first step they should be taking with you? Yeah, so if, if you, for volunteering, um, you know, to be honest, that's something that we're evolving. I have mm -hmm. lots of ideas all the time um, as, as of my team, you know, what kind of volunteer roles we could have. Um, and so that's something that I would love to, you know, kind of brainstorm on if someone was interested in volunteering with us. At a very basic level, it could be, you know, coming to events and helping us, you know, with checking in teachers and, and yeah. you know, as we implement our programming. Um, and for a board role, that could be reaching out to me, um, but, you know, mainly reaching out to our, our board chairman, who's our founder, um, Robert Taylor, and seeing, you know, if the, the needs align with the skill sets and going from there. Awesome. And if I'm a teacher, how do I find you guys? Yeah, so our website is www.educatorcollective.org. Um, and there, there, you know, can see all of our programming and events that we offer. And then there's a really simple, um, just sign up list that, you know, it's, we call it becoming a member, which can be kind of, kind of intimidating. That's something I probably need to, need to look at because typically that's associated with dues, but everything that we offer is free. And so becoming a member Amazing. really just is raising your hand to say, I want to be a part of this. And that just gets you basically access to, um, you know, be in the know about everything we're offering and you can come to whatever interests you, there's no obligation. Yeah, I would encourage any teacher to take a look, whether you're in a happy place or not. Uh, you know, I think without a doubt, the programs you guys offer are incredibly, you know, I think uplifting in so many different ways that um, I think the sooner the better, right? I think you, I wouldn't necessarily say you guys are, yeah, if I was in crisis mode, I, of course, would turn to you guys. But I think the right time is, you know, before you get there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we want to catch folks along along every step of the way. Um, but the support, the peer support is invaluable. Awesome. Well, Courtney, let's move into the lightning round. We'll dive okay. into a few more kind of personal questions. Some will go quick, some not so, not so quick, but we'll dive in where it makes sense. Um, you ready to rock? I'm ready. <laughs> You were born ready. All right. What do you wish you had known when you started your career? Like if you could go tell your younger self something, what would that be? Me. Um, so I was always very, very introverted, um, you know, for growing up, you know, until really after college. Um, and so I think something that I had to learn once I was already in the professional world was the importance of relationships and, and networking. 
Um, and I still to this day don't really like the word networking because it has this almost to me like a negative connotation that maybe they're using people. Yeah, but it's not that. It, it is relationships. It's, you know, Andrew, you and I have gotten to know each other, you know, over, over these years. Um, and, you know, I think down the line, you never know kind of what opportunities will come up. And that doesn't mean that you're using your relationships. It's just kind of an, a natural byproduct. And, um, yeah. you know, every job I've had since my first one has in some way come through someone I knew either told me about it or recommended me for it. Um, and that's just kind of the, the way the world works. But, you know, it's it's comes from a heart of genuinely caring about people and having genuine, genuine relationships and good things can come up. Awesome. And yeah, admittedly, I've always been a kind of cynical person. And, <laughs> uh, it may come to shock to some, I don't know. But um, I, this is something that I think really hit me. So the other day you invited me to an event, right? It already, the name of it is already escaping me, but what, what really, um, just resonated with me was how much you cared. It's almost like, dang, like this lady really cares so dang much about this. And I, I mean, kudos to you. I think it's amazing how much you pour into this and to be able to overcome that kind of introversion um to get all this going is is amazing i'm i'm introverted myself so i know the pain <laughs> of having to get out and do all that but anyways kudos to you being forced that. to become an extrovert yeah thank you yes <laughs> uh who or what would you say has influenced you the most um i would say nothing out of the box but still very meaningful faith and family you know, mm -hmm. grew up um, in a Christian household, and, and that's where part of my kind of service-oriented mindset came from, um, wow. and then just fortunate to be supported by a tremendous family. Well, and is there anything you are learning about, right? So what might that be? I am. It might not be, like, I don't have, you know, like, this brilliant leadership book that I'm reading or anything, but something I'm really enjoying right, right now, and I think it's yeah. just kind of the season of life that I'm in with a, a toddler and trying to grow, you know, my own, my own organization, um, is this uh, concept called the lazy genius way. <laughs> um, oh man, that sounds awesome. <laughs> look that it up. is amazing. Um, and I just stumbled across it in a, in a Facebook group that is now my favorite Facebook group, but it's a book. And I think there's a podcast and it's this whole like list of principles to live your life by that. Ultimately it's just, you know, we all have too much on our plates. Right. And so, it's this framework for helping you focus on identify and focus on what really matters. Um, and so that's, you know, we were talking earlier about my office still being a mess after my recent move. And honestly, that's part of it is normally I would feel like I have to clean this up right away, but this framework can help me identify, you know what, it's okay. Like nothing bad is going to happen if it stays messy for a little while longer. So I'm focusing on other things that matter more. So the lazy genius way is my, right. my favorite thing right now. <laughs> awesome. Now I'm going to have to check that out. I love the title of it. <laughs> Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Um, what's your coffee of choice? Um, I stole this coffee idea from Gilmore Girls from the show oh, Gilmore okay. Girls. Okay. Um, Gilmore but it's Girls, I've, shout out. It's not everyone's t t not to everyone's taste, but I like putting cinnamon in my coffee grounds before I brew it, and it makes the cinnamon coffee, and it is delicious in my book. Brilliant. Yeah. I've, I've kind of wanted to experiment a bit. I, I like putting vanilla in mine. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the thought of like putting it in the grounds and seeing what might come out. Yeah, the <laughs> cinnamon would probably be a better choice, yeah. What's uh, What about your adult drink of choice? 
very basic. I'm usually a red wine girl, so Cabernet Sauvignon or however you pronounce that, which I should know by now because <laughs> that's what I mainly drink. I think so. you got it. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you say you're a morning person or a night person? Yeah, um, I, I always wonder, like, can I say neither? <laughs> oh, gosh, there's... Jeez, um... so, I don't know if that means you'd, you'd rather just always be asleep or always be awake. Um, I love, I love, I can, right? But again, it's, it's the season of life and there's this um, really cheesy, admittedly cheesy me. Lubbock's are linked to it. And it, it's something like... Um, I'm not an early bird or a night owl. I'm some form of permanently exhausted pigeon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think again, like toddler life and ED life combined, it's like that is my season right now. Yeah. It's okay because I have cinnamon coffee. <laughs> yeah, or like when uh, I'm in that season where I look in the mirror, I'm like, <laughs> you know, yes. just always looking tired. Yeah, investing in, in the dark circle eye, eye cream is <laughs> kind of the yeah. stage. For sure. But it's all good. Do you have any like routines or hacks that maybe you've set for yourself that help you in your um, day to day? You know, as as far as, as hacks, I think that lazy genius from that like that helps the me lazy genius, with that a lot. Yeah. It's just starting with like what really matters and being able to say no um to the rest. But I actually I think my hack, if I can call it that, is just um, leaning into and embracing what works for me, even if it doesn't work for other people. And so in this case, that means that I've learned that I actually am not a creature of habit. I actually don't really, for better or worse, like I've never been one to intentionally build habits or set routines. Um, You know, I I just like get things done, you know, when they need to be done, I, I strive to do them well. Um, but where I really thrive is flexibility and that's kind of a core value. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, TEC, you know, I I set a vision and make a plan. I actually love planning, um, but I'm always ready for that plan to change, which which it often does need to. And so I can embrace it when that happens and it might be kind of unconventional, but that's, what's worked for me. Good. Yeah. Your routine is that there isn't really one. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Go with the flow. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a little bit like that. You know, I like the fact that I don't have say a set office I need to be at at a set time and then leave at that time. And then I do like that flexibility a bit. And um, I'm thankful that I'm able to kind of design that in my day. Um, yeah. As well. Logistically. So yeah. yeah. When it comes to this job, logistically, the, the flexibility is one of them. For sure. Uh, so what would you say you look forward to the most each weekend? Spending time with my family, my husband and, and our daughter, I, you know, soak up every minute um, that I can with her. She's such a joyful um, little person and we all love being outdoors. Um, so, you know, we spend as much time outside as we can. So that's always fun to look forward to. It's awesome. And you said she's two? She's two. Mm-hmm. Just turned two. Is she, do you think she knows what, what's going on with Santa and Christmas and all that? For the first time this year, yeah, it's been really fun um, for her to, you know, see, you know, she drive by the Christmas lights and she'll say, you know, ho, ho, ho. Um, have, we nice. have to wait. We have a little Santa plate where we're going to put the cookies in the milk. Whenever she sees that, she says, wait, because we talked about waiting for Christmas Eve. So nice. Good. Yeah, it's amazing to see the, the magic of Christmas and little kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really Santa fun. and all that. A lot of fun. Very joyful. Yeah. All right. Well, you're off the hot seat. No more. All right. Phew. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, is there is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience, Courtney, before we wrap up? Um, just you know, a thank you for for listening and and taking the time, you know, and and what I've shared already, you know, what keeps me going. Um, I am a data person, and so it's the fact that this is actually working, and I've been blown away. Um, by it. So if anyone, you know, has had their heartstrings pulled or or maybe that data mindset of their own um, that they want to be able to get involved in something, love um, to have as much get um, volunteering, donations, getting teachers involved in the organization. Um, so just thank you for taking the time to listen. Yeah, that's wonderful. And if I can do a plug for you as well, I anyone that's been looking for an organization to pour into to whether with their time or you know, with their donations personally or from maybe even a corporate standpoint, I've been involved enough to know that it's, uh, it goes a long way for um, the Educators Collective. So highly recommend if you're looking for an organization like that to, to take a look online and get involved however way, shape, or form you can. Thank you very much. That. Well, Courtney, I, I appreciate you making the time here for the show. Uh, I know you're very busy doing great, amazing things. So thank you so much. Thank you for, for being on. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. And thank you all to our listeners for listening to the Dallas Space Innovator Show. I'm Andrew Lauder signing out. That's our show for today. We hope you took away something valuable. Be sure to visit Louderco at louderco.com for more. Thank you again and stay tuned for more from Dallas-based innovators. Thank you.